It didn't seem too much to ask for. All we wanted was some place to call our own, some place we could lay claim to during our last summer of innocence. Because once summer was over, no matter how hard we tried, things would never be quite the same again. I felt it as surely as you can feel a summer storm on the way. It was graduation night, early June. Fifteen minutes earlier, Phil and Rick and I had shucked our robes, whose billowing gray sleeves had made us look like enormous sick birds, and we headed for the open road with a case of beer. There were a bunch of parties scattered throughout town, classmates ready to kick off the rest of their lives with a hangover to remember the occasion by, and maybe we'd hit one or two later on. But for now, it seemed appropriate to get off by ourselves, maybe figure out where we were headed for the next fifty or sixty years. Where to? Phil asked. He was our driver, the eternal chauffeur whose limo was a 1970 Plymouth Duster, Even though the finish was a putrid green mottled with blue-gray patches of Bondo, even though tattered foam rubber crept out of the seat's seams like limp fingers, even though a day of baking in the summer sun left the interior smelling like an old Big Mac box, we loved it just the same. It was our shrine, a magic vehicle that could spirit us from the real world into one of our own creation, where we had a little more control over things and a better grasp of who and what we were. Any place special you want to go? Just keep driving, I said from the passenger seat. I'll find some place for us. Chris Anderson, trailblazer, Rick said from the back seat. He was this night's keeper of the beer. You remember what happened when you tried this last winter? You put us into a snowbank. Trust me, I grinned back at him and winked. I feel lucky tonight. Rick rolled his eyes in mock despair and turned back to his guitar, a Martin 12-string. He was better than merely good on it. I thought him genuinely great, and it was what earned him his nickname from us, Twang. He picked along with the song coming over the rear deck speakers, but I could barely hear him. Phil liked his music loud. Still, those Craig power plays came in handy whenever we got stuck with some clown we weren't too fond of. We simply exiled him to the back seat and drowned him out with Van Halen. Phil laughed as I held an unopened can of Coors before me, like a divining rod. We'd been driving on Route 37 and were almost six miles north of town. Almost time to leave the beaten path. Here? Phil said. A country road intersection was coming up, marked with a green reflective sign. The Coors hadn't flickered. No, not yet. We rolled on another mile or so, until I extended the can toward my left, bumping Phil's arm. It feels something coming up, I said. Steady, big fella, steady. Another intersection shone in the headlights, and as we drew near, we saw the sign read 1250N. I couldn't recall having traveled it before, but then habit usually takes us east and west out of town instead of north. How sad. Behavioral ruts at 17. Go for it. Turn left, left, I cried. This is it. Go west, young man. Phil cut left, slinging gravel and fishtailing the car. Rick rolled from one side to the other, and his guitar rang with a clamorous discord. Phil had barely straightened out the car when a large weathered sign loomed up on the left side of the road. Pleasant Hills, it read, in bold earth tones. 
Choice lots now available. Three stocked lakes. Coming soon, tennis courts. At the bottom, it listed the realtors you could call if you were interested. From the length of time that sign looked to have been standing there, I didn't think the phones had been ringing off the hooks. One more time, I yelled to Phil. The can wavered madly in my hands, and I started emitting high-pitched beeping sounds. You got it, Buana. Phil screeched onto an even narrower road, leading back south. We quieted down to watch what was coming up.